is worth every single ounce of the energy that you put forth to do it. Before we start tonight talking about generosity, I've already said it. Jesus doesn't want your wallet. I don't want your wallet. Nobody wants your wallet. Jesus wants your heart. He wants your heart because if he has your heart, he has everything in your life, and he can use it to fulfill the purposes that he's put you on this planet for. You're not wasted space. You weren't put here by mistake. You have purpose. That purpose is huge. And so tonight, let's pray together, and I pray that we can just meet together for a second and, um, and just, just talk about what God says in his word about generosity. Lord, we love you. God, I'm thankful for who you are. God, you're the king of the universe. Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, just for dying on the cross for our sins, for taking my place. God, for, for, for going the, to, a, to the lengths that I could not go. Father, tonight I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. I pray, God, as we open scripture, I pray that you would just come, Father, and fill it up. I pray that you would just teach us new things, Father. Convict us in ways that we need to be convicted. Put us on a path where we need to be on, God, and just bring our hearts in line with yours, Jesus. Lord, we love you, and I just ask this all in your name. Amen. All right, so if, you're, um, if you have your Bible, I hope you do, um, turn to 2 Corinthians um, chapter 9. We're going we're to talk, um, talk about some uh, generosity tonight where Paul is speaking to the Corinthians and in response to an offering, he's, they're, wanted, they're very zealous about taking up an offering so they can help the church in Jerusalem who is experiencing a, a famine at the time. And so we're going to look at this together. We're going to look at chapters 9, verses 6 through 8, and then we're going to go from, to 10 to 13. So read along with me here. Verses six through eight. It says, remember this. Anytime you read that in the Bible, just remember it, okay? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. At this point, we could probably stop, and you can pretty much read that for yourself. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So what I'm reading there is God is able to bless us abundantly. The word so that, if that's in your Bible, underline that or circle that. So that in all things, at all times, not just on Sundays, not just on Mondays or Thursdays, all times, having all that you need. You'll have everything that you need. You'll be able to abound in every good work. Abound, in my mind, means like that's above and beyond the norm, right? So my, my point here is that we're, we're, God blesses us so that we can abound in good works for him, okay? So I wanna go ahead and put something out there that the blessings that God gives us is not about us. Can I say that? Okay, it's about blessing other people. It's about blessing people so that they can understand and hear from God. So verse, verses 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your, for your righteousness. There's some big stuff in verse 10. The, the, the one who supplies the seeds and the one who you know, gives you everything you need is going to enlarge the harvest if we're generous. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. How many occasions? Every occasion through us, through your generosity will result in thanksgiving. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of your service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and your generosity is sharing with them and with everyone else. He's telling them because of your generosity, other people 
were able to benefit from their offerings and from the gospel. So because of their generosity, more people can hear about Jesus. That's worth it, right? In my mind, if that's the case, that's awesome. And so generosity tonight, like I said before, we're basing our cultures of our church off of Acts 2, where, and where we see an extraordinary picture of God building his church. And so these people were selling their belongings so that they would be able to give to someone who had need. That's not normal. Is that normal to anybody in here? Exactly. It's not normal. How often do we have stipulations on our giving, right, as human? Me included. I'm talking to myself. How often do we judge the, the homeless man because he might buy drugs or alcohol with the money we give? How often do we do that? How many times do we think we know more than God when it comes to our giving? I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about time here too, time and our energy. How many times is our giving, this is a big one, how many times does our giving become more about us than it becomes about God and being obedient to him? Does that make sense? Do you hear me on that? Because the awesome part, guys, of this passage is in Acts 2 is that these people were giving everything they had out of a joyful heart. It wasn't, oh, I gotta give the, it was, praise God, I, get the, I have resources that I can give and I can, I can give something to this, this movement. And that's what they were going at. They, they were fired up that they were able to do that. They understood that they were saved for a purpose, for reaching people. They weren't saved for themselves. They were saved to do, do things, to go out and move. And so if we have been saved from our sins by great generosity, by Jesus saving us from our sins, by dying on the cross, we ought to be a people of great generosity. Can we agree on that? Yes. Yes, here we go. The church in large part, guys, but it's become full of consumers because of our American culture. Like we're a culture full of consumers. Give me this, give me this. Uh, I'm gonna be entertained by you. Uh, I'll take this and take that. And so we come to church with that. It's just like a, a disease that we come to church with the same mentality. Come entertain me for a little while. Come convict me. Let me get comfortable with my convictions and I'll go out and do nothing with them. But let me just feel the pain of the conviction that God wants to put in my life. You know, we have that kind of consumer mentality when God's wanting us to participate in the gospel and be dispensers of his love and his mercy on a culture that needs it. Okay? And so when you hear that, we have to surrender our hearts, this part of our hearts that Satan wants to exploit because he wants people to come out of these, these seats and go out in the community and he wants people to say, those people are hypocrites. They go in church and they don't, they don't look like Christians at all. And these people don't know that I'm doing the same, they're doing the same things I'm doing on the weekends. They don't look anything different than me. But God's called us to be different. He wants us to, to surrender our hearts so that he can use them. And every, every time you start talking about money or generosity in church's eyes start rolling, talking, you know, it's, 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 it's because we don't understand it completely. We've been given great wealth and, and wisdom and time and energy. We've been given the gospel to give those things to people because it's generosity that saved you from your sins. Can, can we agree on that? Generosity that saved you from your sins, from me, from my sins. It's generosity that keeps grace flowing in our lives to be able to do the things we're doing. It's out, of heart, it's out of a heart of generosity that God pours out his blessings on our lives. Children being born, jobs and promotions being given, opportunities to, to go to, to other countries to do mission trips, these things that we have going to college, all these different things that, that, that God has given us grace in. It's out of generosity. It's out of generosity that he's allowing you to breathe the air. It's out of generosity that he allows you to breathe his air, to eat his food, and to use his resources in life. That's generous. 
If we understood, if we, got, if we could pull back the, the, the canvas of time and of the sky and see God for who he is, first of all, our faces will melt off our skulls, but we'd be able to, we'd, it's in the Bible. It says he, he, he dwells unapproachable light is what it says. And so our, 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 we, we would be very overcome with like, I need to do something different. You know, it's, t- it's time for me to get my life straight, okay? And so it's important that we understand that we see who God really is. We understand the generosity that he's given to us. Our life changes and shifts and moves in a way that God's called us to. It's out of generosity. It's not a privilege. It's a privilege. It's not a right, excuse me. It's, it's a privilege to do what we do. It's not a right. The money that you have in your bank account, that's a privilege, not a right. The time that you have in your day to day, that's a privilege, not a right. You, it's not owed to you. God does not owe you anything. He doesn't owe me anything. I want, I want to just share an example with you from Scripture. It's Luke um, verse, chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. It says this. This, this, should, this should be our mindset when it comes to generosity. Luke 21, 1 through 4. It says that Jesus looked up. He saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins and the, the copper coins here, we're talking, each one is worth an eighth of a cent, okay? They call them mites. It says, truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So my question tonight, does our giving come from a place of wealth or from a place of sacrificial giving? Is our first fruits, or, or is it our first fruits, or does it come from a place of leftovers? Okay, I've done, I've paid my bills, I've, I've given all my time to here. I, I have this amount of time left. I have this amount of money left. You can have it, God. Do we say, God, you're going to, you're going to get the first and best, no matter what, if I can afford it or not, because I know that you will take care of me. Is that the kind of trust we have? What would your life look like if you believed those words? I know that you'll take care of me, so you can have it all. If you believe those words, what would happen? Your life would open up and you would be doing some crazy, awesome things for the kingdom of God. And you would see things happen like you've never seen. But our problem is we like to live safe. We like to have security. We like to have a security blanket around us most of the time. And so I want to give you three things, okay, when we're starting here. And I know we've started off hardcore and we're going to get even more hardcore here. Is uh, The church must be generous in three areas if it wants to be relevant. If you want to be a relevant church, you have to be generous in three areas. And I really believe these with all my heart. The first one, we're going to go ahead and get out of the way is money. If you're going to be a generous, if you're going to be a, a relevant Christian, you have to be generous with your money. Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crop, circle first fruits. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Some people got really excited with that one. It's figurative, okay? This is by far one of the most divisive topics in church history and even today. And I do, I, like I said before, I'd like to do studies on words and the word tithe or tithing, it occurs 40 times in the Bible. 32 of those times are in the Old Testament, obviously, and eight times in the New Testament. Five of those eight times are in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter seven, when it was referring to when Abraham paid a tithe to Melchizedek in the Old Testament. Two of the remaining three occur in Luke and refer to the last one in Matthew 23 that we just read about. And so we didn't just read about that. I'm sorry, excuse me. Matthew 23 is where the Pharisees are giving out of their, their spice racks. 
and giving all these things. It's where Jesus accuses the Pharisees of tithing in the small things and inexpensive things out of their wealth, but like their spices, their crops and stuff like that, but neglecting the weightier things like time giving energy to somebody, to the poor, reaching out to the lost, the sick, the dying, the hurting. In Luke 18, we see a a self-righteous Pharisee boasting about his tithing as proof of his righteousness, saying, look how righteous I am because I give all my money to the church. I give all my resources to the church, but, and, and, that's, and that is so wrong. We don't see evidence of where the tithe is, is still required in the new covenant, but you see this. We do, however, are supposed to support the building of the church and God's kingdom. We see that in 1 Corinthians 9, Galatians 6, 1 Timothy 5. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to give to the poor and to those in need, to give up our offerings freely to people. We're supposed to be generous people. We're supposed to give just as Jesus gave, what it says in 1 John 2. It talks about that. Are we robbing God when it comes to our finances? Are we robbing him? We see throughout Scripture that our giving should be out of gratitude and something we joyfully do. The whole concept of stewardship should kill that mindset. I'm stewarding God's money that I've been blessed with. I'm a steward of the blessings that he's given me. How am I stewarding the blessings that I've been given? Am I doing well? Do we have the mindset of 10% is what I'm going to make, is I'm going to give to God, but the remaining 90%, that's mine. But I have some bad news. It's all God's. It's all God's is how you steward it. I hear, a lot, I hear people a lot of times say 10% is a lot. That's a lot of money. 10% is a lot. But I'm here to tell you 90% is a lot too, right? 90% is more. And so what I want you to hear is God's stewards of wealth and possessions, we should wisely invest it for the, his glory and for the advancement of his kingdom. Because if it's his, I should use it to do something for him, correct? It's, it's common sense to me. And so, you know, I, I think this will kind of put it in perspective for us a little bit because, you know, today, I'll just give you some, I'll give you some statistics here. Um, today, the, the, the average American Christian gives about 2.5% of their income to the church. Wow. During the Great Depression, Americans were giving at a rate of 3.3%. This was what blew my mind. What's even more troubling in this is in 2016, 33 to 50%, I know it's a wide range, of church members say they've never given anything towards the church. And so our perspective has to change if we want to be effective. I'm not saying give your money. What I am saying is if we want to build the kingdom, we have to steward God's funds and finances well, his resources well. And so we, with every resource God has, has given us, his intention was for it to be a tool, not something to hoard. It's supposed to be a tool for us to, to bless others and, and, to, and to do his kingdom building here on earth. We've been blessed to honor God and to bless others. There's a, there's a purpose to the blessing. If there's nothing that you hear tonight, I want you to hear, there's a purpose to your blessing. There's a purpose to the blessing that God's given you in your life, whether it's money or time or, or whatever. God's given, put a, he put a purpose to it. Giving to build, the, build the kingdom, giving to build God's kingdom in Pooler and the surrounding areas, the cities, this county, should take precedent over many of the things we give to build our own security and our comfort. Does that, does that make sense? I'm, I'm, I'm going to give to my comfort. I'm going to give to my security. God's kingdom comes second. 
And we wonder why there's so many churches that are dying and kind of being, becoming irrelevant. We want to see God move in this way. And what my heart is, is for us to all be on the same page. It wouldn't be my vision, my dream or, or goal or mission, but it would become all of ours. And we'd be doing what Acts, church, Acts 2 church was doing. We were pulling our resources and, and carrying the gospel to our city. That would be incredible. That would be incredible. We would see so much fruit from that. And so, you know, our wealth, our power, if you're in a position of power or authority or influence, our influence, it should always be leveraged for the poor, for the weak, and for those with no voice. Always. That should be the way that we live our life as a Christian, to, to, to do the things that the, the people that have no voice cannot do. Number two, we need to be generous with our time. I know you're glad that one's over. Number two, our time is... To be an effective follower of Jesus, being generous with your time is crucial. Time is your most precious gift because you only have a set amount of it. You can always make more money, theoretically, but you can't make more time. That's kind of sobering, right? You can't make more time. Some of you new moms in here can relate to that. You can't make more time cherishing every second you have with your newborn or your child. When you give someone your time, you're giving, them, you're giving them a portion of your life that you'll never get back. When you sit down across from somebody doing discipleship or when you're evangelizing on a street somewhere where you're telling someone at work about the, the good news of Jesus and what he's done in your life, you're giving them something that you'll never get back. But God's promised us that it would not return void, but it would come back and it would produce fruit Okay, so my point is tonight that we need to be generous with our time. Your time is your life. That's why the greatest gift and the most precious asset you have is not your money, but it's your time. And Satan does a really good job of tricking us into spending all our time to make money, which is not our most precious asset. It's a good trick, right? How much time do we waste on frivolous things that have no return on their investment? How, how, how much Netflix binging do we do? I, I'm guilty. How much, how much TV do we watch all the time? Or whatever it may be, social media. The things, don't, things that don't matter, things that numb our hearts and our minds, numb our spirit to be able to do what God's called us to do. How much time do we invest investing in the kingdom? So if I had a scale up here for every single person in here, what would your scale look like? Investing in the kingdom, investing in frivolous things. Which way would the scale tip in your life? It's important to, to, to ask yourself those things because are we using the time that we're given to strengthen and further the kingdom or are we using that, that time to strengthen and further the kingdom of our own life? Because I can promise you one thing, no person in their entire life has ever, has ever gone to their deathbed, been sitting there and said, could you please, um, I, I really wish that I hadn't spent so much time serving Jesus. Nobody has ever said that, ever. Nobody's ever said, I wish I'd have not spent so much time praying and reading my Bible. Nobody's ever said that. But somebody on their deathbed usually says, I wish I'd have been better with the time that I was given. I wish I'd have been a better Christian. I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have been a more obedient Christian and more bold Christian, a more courageous Christian, one that was following Jesus step by step as it's laid out in the Bible. You will find people that says that. Are we using our time to strengthen God's kingdom. Discipleship, that's huge. That's another word. That's another one of the buzzer words that, that we talk about discipleship and you'll get 35 different answers. What does that look like? What is discipleship? You know, think about that. Discipleship is huge. It's investing time, putting the kingdom of God into people's hearts. That's what it is in, 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 in lesser terms. 
Um, and so pouring your life into other people. So that's what it's about. And so my question tonight that I want us to kind of ask ourselves is how many kingdom assignments do we walk past daily because we don't have time, because we hadn't prepared ourselves to be in line with where God wants us at, or because it doesn't fit into our schedule that we have for that day? How many kingdom assignments do we walk past? I saw this quote this past week, and I think it's something that a couple people shared in here. It was on Facebook. It says, be like Jesus, Spend enough time investing in sinners that you ruin your reputation with the religious people. That's awesome. That's what Jesus did. Spend so much time investing time into people's lives that didn't look like him, didn't look like the people he hung out with, but he, he, he invested it in them and saw a great return. And that's what we have to do tonight. We have to be generous with our money. We have to be generous with our time. And the last thing that I'm going to talk about tonight is we have to be generous with the gospel. It's time for us as a church, the big C church, not Connection Church Pooler, but we fall in there. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for the church to come alive and realize it's been given authority and power to do great and mighty things in this world. It's time to wake up as a church and stop being passive. It's time for us to start being bold with our faith because the message of the gospel is, is a bold message. It's a powerful message. Um, one of my favorite quotes is from J.C. Riley. He says, the highest form of selfishness is that of the man who is content to go to heaven alone. Let that hit you for a second. The highest form of selfishness is that of the man who is content to go to heaven alone. This is gonna hit hard for some people, but that's good. If you're not sharing the gospel generously, there's two problems. One, you hate people and you want them to go to hell. Or two, you don't really believe what you say you believe. That's two, two sides of it. I don't, I, don't see many, I don't see much middle ground in that. You know? And if you're, if you're here tonight, you don't know Jesus, if you've never been a Christian, if you've never truly turned your life over to Christ, this may be confusing. And we're going to talk about that in a second, so hold, buckle up. If you don't share G Jesus with people generous, if you don't share the gospel, you either don't like people and don't care if they go to heaven or hell, or... You don't really believe what you say you believe and act like you believe. How many times have we been prompted to share the gospel with someone but haven't because we've been scared? Or because we've, well, you know, what's gonna happen? I don't, I don't, I don't I, you know, God, uh, it's scary. What if we understood that in some cases we might be the only way that someone may hear about Jesus? Now, God's big, he's sovereign, he will always provide a way. But if you think about it in those terms, this is my assignment. I'm supposed to share the gospel with this person and we don't. How, what does that look like for us? You know, what, is that, what does that say about our faith you know, in, in those times? And it's important, it's that important. If you look in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, verses 26 through 37, or 27, excuse me, I'm not read that much to you. Paul said to the Ephesian church, he was leaving. He knew he wasn't coming back. He knew he would die. And if you want to read this whole chapter, it's great. But this, just this section, he says, therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of your blood. I'm innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Do we understand? And, and, and if, you, if it's no, that's totally okay, because we want to walk with you and get us back on a path where we're, we're powerfully following Jesus. And so tonight, do we understand what the Great Commission actually means? 
to go and share the gospel, to go teach, to go baptize, to go, to go, to go, to go. It's an action word. It's not a Facebook status word. It's something that you're meant to go and do. It's like, get up, go do, okay, get up, go, it's, go do this. It's not, a, it's not an option. It's not something that said, if you feel like it, can you go share some gospel with some people around the corner? No, if you're a follower of me, is what Jesus says, you're a, if you're my follower, you're going to get up and you're gonna go share the gospel of Jesus Christ for the, for the, for the, for the glory of my name, is what Jesus said. It's not, it's not an option if we're gonna follow Christ in that way. And so tonight, guys, it means we have a job to do, period, period, big period. We have a job to do. We're, we're assigned to spread the good news of the gospel to the ends of the world. I mean, I'd understand if, if it was called, you know, why, why some Christians didn't share the gospel if it was called the bad news. You know, if, the, if it was like, this is bad news, I know I gotta share it with you. Kind of, but that's kind of how we share the gospel sometimes. This is the good news. We were lost, dead, going to hell. Jesus came, took my place on the cross, died a death that I deserved so that I can live a life that I don't deserve. He's given me that. That means I should share that with someone else. And that means I should do it with passion and excitement. And if there's no passion or excitement, then I do question where your heart is with Jesus and if you've ever had an experience with him. And my heart tonight for you is that we would get that straight before we left here tonight. Because, you know, we're being raised up, guys, to do the work of Jesus. And if you find yourself being stagnant or on the sidelines, what does that mean? Where are you at? We're called to proclaim and teach the word of God to the poor, the poor in spirit, the spiritually poor. Do we have feet on our faith? Because James says this, he says that faith without deeds is dead. It's not saying you're saved by your deeds, but it's saying true faith will have deeds. That's what it says. Is our faith driving us to be generous with our faith? through loving people, serving others, giving our resources freely to the work of the kingdom, investing in people. Because this is what I want you to hear, and I've seen it firsthand with some of you guys in this room. When, you, when we are generous with our money, with our time, and with sharing the gospel, we bring heaven and earth together and allow people to see Jesus through us. That's the way it's supposed to be, that reflection of Jesus onto other people. That's what Jesus in you the hope of glory means the hope of glory. That means that Jesus wants to be the shining light out of us onto a dying world. Guys, let's live generous lives, making our resources and, and ourselves and available to the building of the church and to the kingdom. It's, it should be his way and his glory, dying to ourselves and lifting him up. As a church, let's honor the Lord. Let's honor him with our wealth, our time, with the gospel. Let's honor him. If we did that, our city would stand no chance. They'd be saved. Marriages would be healed. People would be delivered from addiction. You'd see lives change. You'd see crime go down. You would see a changed city completely because the gospel came in and changed people and the people make up the city and, the, and it just sweeps the whole entire place. That's my heart for Pooler, for Effingham, for Chatham and for, for the entire world because that's God's heart for us. And he says in Chronicles, says it this way, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, this is God. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
pray and seek my face, not just my hand, not just the things I can give them, but in my face, sitting in my presence, learning from me, seeing how much that I love these people. If they would see that, then I would, then they would turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Who wants our land to be healed and see Jesus' name preached to the nations? That's what we want tonight. That's what we need. And so tonight, guys, God promises if we would, if we would live this way, that we would become a channel of blessing for the world around us. And your mind cannot fathom what you would see with your own eyes in Pooler. It'd blow your mind. Think about these disciples. These guys are fishermen and, and, and just different unglorified occupations. They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw Jesus heal a blind man. They saw Jesus heal a leper, a cripple. What? Like that stuff, Jesus wants to move in our midst, guys, and, and, and save a city through us. And so how well do we do this? God has called us to get in the game, to get off the sidelines. Some of us are sitting on the sidelines waiting for God to open up the clouds and put us in the game, but he's already done that because he put us in the game a long time ago when he sent his son Jesus to save us from our, from our own selves from hell by dying on the cross and raising again. He's done that. He's put us in the game. We're in the game. We're there. So, and if those of you who don't know, how do you get in the game? You take your next step. You take your next step. That might be tonight that you need to invest, get involved in the connect group. I need some community. I need to do life with other Christians. I've been doing it alone for too long. See the next steps table. We'll get you plugged in. But don't just join one, invest. Because in our connect groups, our cultures are growth, care, and mission. If you have people that are, that are caring about your growth, that are caring for you, that are put, and that are wanting to be on mission with you, it's impossible for you not to grow in your faith. Impossible. It's impossible. If you want to grow in your faith, get in a connect group. Invest in a body of believers somewhere that, that, that help, and help us reach our city. If it's not here, and I want to tell you, I don't want your wallet. I want, I want, I want you to give your heart to Christ. And if it's not, and if, you, if this is not a place for you, that's fine with me too. But be somewhere and go somewhere where you can get invested money, time, the gospel, wherever that may be, invest your whole entire self in that place and go as hard as you can for the kingdom whether it's here or the church down the street or the other one, wherever it may be, but invest. The last thing is come to Jesus for salvation. If you don't know Jesus tonight, make tonight the night that you say yes to Jesus. Tonight, don't wait till tomorrow or the next day or next week or next time we meet. Don't wait, make tonight that night. It's important. Because we need to evaluate ourselves right now, tonight. We need to evaluate ourselves. Are we choosing to do the comfortable thing rather than the faithful thing? And I wanna to talk to men for a second. That is 90% of us in this room who like to do the comfortable thing over the faithful thing. That's what made, has made us passive men. And I'm gonna tell you right now, God's been laying on my heart that it's time for men to raise up and, be, and, and to accept the places they've been called to be powerful, bold, courageous leaders in the body of Christ. It's time. So are we basing our eternity on saying we believe in Jesus, but we haven't taken any steps of obedience? Are we basing it on a prayer that we prayed when we were 10 years old, but there's been zero fruit since then? Are we basing our eternity on those two things? That's, that's a huge gamble, and you should probably go to Vegas if you're that crazy. That's huge. 
If you're going to gamble that much on your own, it's important. Or based on that. And tonight, the last thing, do you know Jesus? There's a Greek word called gnosko. It's the same kind of know that you know your wife. The, the physical part, the mental part, the emotional, the, the, just the, the, the spiritual part. Do you know him? I'm not talking about knowing who he is. I know Donald Trump, but I don't know Donald Trump. I know who he is, but I don't know him. Do you know Jesus tonight? Do you know him on a personal level? He's the one that took your sins to the cross and died in your place to bring you to salvation. And that puts the decision back on you. It's your decision. It's tonight night of salvation where you finally say yes to Jesus. Do you trust him? And tonight, I just wanna share with you a connection. We like to be bold in our faith and we like to celebrate with people. And if that's tonight, that's you, if you've never turned your life completely over to Christ and you want to say yes to Jesus tonight, we wanna pray with you. We wanna lead you down that path and help you until your next steps because we're about enabling people to their next steps, their next step, their next step. And so that's, if that's you tonight, I just want you to be bold and raise your hand and we wanna pray with you tonight and we wanna walk with you through those steps of salvation. Is there anybody in here tonight? Be bold. I promise you it's worth it. Since we're saved in here, all of us are saved, it's good. Since all of us are saved in here tonight, my heart is this, is that we would be in the game generous in the game, generously in the game with our finances, with our time, with the gospel. So tonight, I just, I pray that if you want me to, if you need prayer, if you need, if you need guidance in any way, in this, in this, in this way, if you want, if, if you need to do better in this area in your life, I just want you to stand so that we can stand together as a church. I can pray with you. I can pray over you. I can, I, and we can just do this together because my heart is for that, that we would be generous with our time. With, with our finances and with the gospel, that we would just be not scared to share the gospel with people in our community because it's that important. Tonight, I wanna share um, just that I love you guys. I'm so grateful that you're here. We're gonna be here next week and the week after that and the week after that. For those of you who are standing up on your feet, you're bold. You're being bold right now for Christ. You're saying, enough of what I was doing today. It's time for me to step into my future, what God's called me into tomorrow, and, and move, get off of my hands, and be on fire for Christ because he gave his all for me. And so let's pray tonight together. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that you did not spare any expense in your, in your, in your, in your way of salvation. God, that you died for us. God, that you, you died to bring us to, your, to yourself. God, we were far away. God, we were, we were dead in our sin, God. No heartbeat. We were dead in our sin, God, and you breathed life into our lungs to bring us to a saving faith in you, Father. So tonight, God, I pray for that person. They may not have raised their hands but did not know you, God. I pray that you would work on their heart. God, I pray that you would just work on their heart. God, soften their heart to hear the gospel. Soften their heart to how much you love them. God, I pray for our church, God, that we would be generous people, that when people from around this area hear about Connection Church Pool, they would say, those are the most generous people that I know. They're generous with their finances and with their time and with the gospel. They won't stop talking about Jesus. And I pray for every single person standing up in this room right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would just wash over their lives. God, take away the things that are holding them back. God, break their hearts. God, pull the, turn it on the walls, God, that they placed over, over the places where you belong. 
God, give them spiritual sight. Help them to come alive in the spirit, God, tonight. To come alive, to see who you are, who you truly are. God, work in their life. God, move in their life. God, I pray for their marriages. I pray that you would strengthen their marriages. I pray that you would strengthen their, their home life for people who may be about to get married or people who may be struggling in their jobs or are struggling at home. God, I pray that you would just be the answer to all of our problems, God, and we would see you as our great provider. And we would go to you, Father, and be fulfilled because you're the only place that we find full fulfillment, God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time that we get to do this, God, to meet under your name, under the banner of your name, because you're good. You're the only one that's good. God, we worship you and we praise you for who you are. God, we ask all this in your beautiful son's name.